He said, it is finished. That's what he said. And the words scorched my heart. And now he's gone. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope, no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested. It had to mean something. He was more than just a teacher. He was our king. You came to make things right. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given. Savior is laid on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had The pain that brought us peace was on him.
Well, welcome to Easter at the Chapel. We're glad that you've joined us. Uh, we're going to continue to sing, to worship together. But before we do, uh, I'm going to say a phrase, and then we're going to respond with something. This is something we do every Easter here. And uh, so I'm going to say these words, he is risen. And then Jeremy and Meg are going to respond with, he is risen indeed. So respond with them. Let's do this again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed.
This is from Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 26. It says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Truly, we are set free, we are redeemed in Christ alone.
guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man. Lord, we stand in your power. God, help us to continually live our lives um, just in view, in light of the resurrection. God, you are so worthy of our praise. Lord, we pour it out to you now. Would you just reveal more of yourself to us, God? Thank you, Lord. Amen. One of the greatest writers of all time, Charles Dickens, says it's the finest short story ever written. Where do we find it? Tucked away in the pages of Luke's record of the life of Jesus. In Luke chapter 15, we find Jesus sharing a story with a real mixed group of people. From the religious elite of the day to the lowdowns of society, prostitutes and sinners. And Jesus has one main purpose for sharing this story. It's to demolish people's preconceived notions of who God is and how he truly interacts with people. Jesus tells this story of a dad and his two sons. And this dad, he loved his two sons so much. And the younger son, he knew this. In fact, the younger son went to ask his dad for money. But it wasn't a small amount of money. Look what Luke tells us in verse 12. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Can you imagine how this dad would have felt? This son goes up to him and asks for his share of the estate. When would someone receive their share of the estate? After somebody dies. Essentially, this son is saying to the dad, Dad, I know you love me, but I really don't love you. My love is conditional. I want what you can give me. I don't want you. That had to break the dad's heart. In the ancient Near Eastern culture where this story is being told, if a son would have spoke to his dad in that way, the dad would have kicked him out. But this dad is different. This dad actually gives his son what he asks for. So what do we have going on here? We have a son that would do anything 
to get something from his dad. And we have a dad who would do anything to give something to his son. Well, you would think his son would be grateful for all that his dad has done for him. But he can't wait to get out and spend the money that his dad gave him. Look what happens. He says a few days later, his son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. If you're familiar with scripture, and even if you aren't, you've probably heard this story before. And this story is normally referenced as the prodigal son. Why? Well, that phrase, wild living, in the Greek is translated to the word prodigal. And that word prodigal literally means to spend with abandonment until there's nothing left. And that's exactly what this young son does. He takes all of the money that his dad gave him and he spends with abandonment. He spends it on the things that he thinks will make him happy, that will quench the desires of his soul. But he wastes it all. And at the same time, a famine sweeps along the land. And he has no money. No money for shelter. No money for food. And so what is he going to do? He hires himself out to take care of pigs. And he is so hungry that the pods that the pigs are eating look attractive to him. Can you imagine being at that rock bottom state in your life where you would want to eat what pigs are eating? This son, he finally comes to his senses when he's with these pigs. And he starts to remember. He starts to reflect upon the time when he felt fulfilled, when he felt loved. And when was that? That was at home with his dad. And so he wants to go home, and he has a plan to get back home. Here's what he says. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. This son knows he's blown it with his dad. He believes his dad is angry with him and wants nothing to do with him. So his plan is to go home and say, Dad, I will earn my way back into the home. I just want to be a servant and maybe someday you'll accept me. This son, he is going over this plan in his mind over and over and over again, hoping for a miracle. And as he got close to home, something changes. Look what happens in the next scene here. He says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. Can you imagine the son thinking the only way back into his father's good graces is to be a servant? And this dad has nothing to do with that plan. He wants to meet his son right where he is, and he throws his arm around him and he hugs him and he's filled not with scorn, not with judgment, but with love and compassion. He calls all of his family and friends together and he throws a party. Why? 
because his son is now home. When I look at that story, I can't help but see a selfish son and a selfless dad. But more than that, I see a selfish people and a selfless God. This story is about us. How we are probably the most selfish people in this world. I know that because I see myself every day and I'm so self-consumed. And when it comes to my relationship with God, I care more about what I can get from him rather than just having this relationship with him. And God, he's so kind, he oftentimes still gives me what I desire even though I don't deserve it. And never once when I have my heart in this condition does he ever kick me out. I'm the one that runs away. Maybe you're like me and you have found yourself in a state of life where you have lived for so many other things that you think will make you happy, that will satisfy you. But when you finally come to your senses, you've hit rock bottom just like this son does. And maybe you're thinking about God and maybe you want that relationship with God, but you just know all the things that you've done, he will never welcome you back. So you tell yourself, if I do go back, maybe, just maybe, he will accept me as a servant. That I can do good things in order to be welcomed back in his house. And when we come to our senses, we finally have that wake-up call and we go back home That is not how God responds. He responds like the dad, not with judgment, not with shame, not with guilt, but love and compassion. God's desire is to throw his arms around you, look you in the eye, and tell you, welcome home. Now let's not forget that there's actually two sons in this story. In Luke 15, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. You know, Easter really is about God's incredible welcome home. While this older son was out working, his his younger brother finally returns and his dad is elated. They are celebrating big time. You would think that when the uh, older son returns, he he would want to go right into the house and see his brother, but that's not his response at all. In fact, it leads to probably the saddest verses in this whole story, Luke 15, 28. The older brother was angry and he would not go in. The fact that he did not go in says that he was already also outside of the house, away from home. But what was he doing? He wasn't out wasting his life. He wasn't out spending all of his inheritance like his younger brother. He was out working, (laughs) working for his dad. Can you imagine coming back home only to find your dad celebrating over your loser of a brother? 
And he doesn't want anything to do with the celebration. That's why he doesn't want to go in. But in Luke 15, uh, verse 28 and following, it says his father came out of the house and he begged him. He begged him to come back in. But here's how the older son replies. He says, all of these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me. You see where the anger's coming from. He viewed the work that he was doing for his father like slavery. He says, I didn't refuse to do anything you ever asked of me. It, it was like his whole relationship with his father had become about work, about duty, about obedience. And that's part of the problem right here. Not only that, he was jealous. In verse 29 and following, he says again to the father, and in all that time, that is all that time that I've been faithful to you and serving you and following you and doing what you asked me to do. He says, in all of that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? You see, this older son, he was jealous. He was jealous, jealous of the lavish party that his father was throwing for his younger brother. This older son, he may have, he may have worked hard for his father, but he was functioning more like a slave than a son. He might have done his duty, but he had lost his relationship with his dad. He may have been obedient in everything that he had done for his father, but he had forgotten all that his father had already done and provided for him. Same thing can happen in our lives, can't it? I mean, he, he's tried to toe the line, be good, do right, and yet, what did he have to show for it now? He was frustrated. He was angry. That's what religion really does to us. It makes us think that somehow if we do the right things, then God somehow owes us something. And then when we don't get what we want, it frustrates us. Or when we see other people getting what we wish we had, it causes anger and jealousy. You know, some of us listening to this message, we, we relate to that younger son. We, maybe we feel like we've blown it and there's no chance of coming back to God. Or maybe we don't even care. But if we're honest, some of us, we relate more to the older brother. We've tried to do the right things and follow the rules. Maybe we've gone to church our whole life. Maybe we've served God and tried to serve other people. And then when we, we see somebody that's lived a terrible life, that, that has just embraced all the things that we've tried to avoid for God, we can't stand it when we see God offer them grace and forgiveness and love. And when that happens, we realize that we are not far from this older brother. You see, he might have stayed at home, but he had lost his father's heart. And maybe, maybe we too are the ones that need to come back home.
So how does the story end? What happens with the older brother's relationship with the younger brother? Does the younger brother actually stay home or does he leave again? How does the dad end up relating to these sons in the end? We don't know. Jesus doesn't tell us. And he does this on purpose. Because you remember the crowd, the religious elite or the older brothers and those who are on the fringe of society, the younger brother, so to speak. Jesus told this story so they could read into the conclusion. So they can be the conclusion. Because God wants us to also reflect on our own state with him. Do we see ourselves as the younger son? Do we see ourselves as the older son? And if you're like me, you see a little of both. And Jesus tells this story so we can write ourselves into it. But that's not just it. You see, we focus so much on the sons as if they're the true main character that we lose sight on who the main character really is. It's the dad. Remember when we said that the word prodigal, it means to spend with abandonment until there's nothing left. And we saw that with the younger son who did that and wasted all that he was given. He's not the only prodigal in the story. The dad is. You see, the dad represents God. And this Easter shows us that he's a prodigal God because he spends with abandonment until there's nothing less. But it has nothing to do with him and all to do with us. If you look at Jesus on the cross, you see that God poured out everything onto him. That he held nothing back from Jesus. All the world's sin, all the world's shame, all of our past, death itself. It was spent on Jesus and there was nothing left And Jesus, he gave of himself until there was nothing left. He gave his very dying breath to us because he was a prodigal. He spent with abandonment until there was nothing left. But the thing is, him dying is not the end of the story. Easter is about an empty grave. It's about God raising Jesus to life, leaving behind sin and death and everything else. This God is such a prodigal that he wasted nothing so you and I could have everything. I'm hoping this Easter for you, you recognize that God truly is a prodigal God and he looks you in the eye and he's saying to you, welcome home. since we talked, I was, you know, I was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, yeah, I understand that you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, 
I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but... But, Dad, I... I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just... I just want to come home. But... I know you've probably written me off. shot in the dark, but I'm, uh, I'm coming through town soon, and, and I'd really just like to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but, but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. If the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going, and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. Love you, Dad. Down from glory to wear my 
you so much for joining us for our Easter service. I want to just end our time with a few things for you to know. 
First of all, if you are a guest, meaning you've never been to the chapel or you've never watched a service online, we wanna hear from you. And the best way that we can hear from you is to text the word NEW to the phone number on the screen. When you do that, not only will you hear from one of our pastors, also we will make a donation in your honor to the Chapel Crisis Fund, which is helping people inside and outside our walls during this pandemic. Also, I wanna encourage you to go to our website, thechapel.tv. It's there where you're gonna find so many updates about what's happening at the chapel, how you can give to the ministries inside and outside the walls, information about kids' things, whatever you need, it's on our website. Please make sure to check it out. Finally, we will be back with you next weekend, and we are starting a brand new message series that we've entitled 20 Seconds. Why 20 Seconds? Well, that's how long it takes to pray the Lord's Prayer. And in those 20 seconds, our lives can change. Make sure you join us for that. We began our service in a way, and we want to end our service in the same way. So I'm going to say, He is risen, and you repeat after me. He is risen. He's risen indeed. He is risen. He's risen indeed. He is risen. Have a great day.